Coming up on today's Locked On Senators. The streets have spoken. There's white smoke bellowing from the Canadian Tire Centre. Who will be the next owner of the Ottawa Senators? And the Sen Central Top 10 prospect list for your Ottawa Senators is complete. And today, we're going through prospects 10 through 7. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first ticket purchase. That's the Game Time app. Create an account, download the app, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first ticket purchase. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 803 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, please like and subscribe wherever you download your podcast. We're also available on YouTube. Today is Monday, May 22nd in Pilsy. I hope you and all of our listeners had a great long weekend full of speculation, but the streets have spoken, and the next Ottawa Senators owner will be... Michael Andlauer. And, uh, I mean, Lilims Martian, our on-the-streets reporter, rarely, if ever, misses on any of his scoops. And let it be known, Ross, I can't wait to see the, the TSN, the Sportsnet, the Ottawa Sun, all these big entities saying, as per, at Lilims Martian, Michael Andlauer is the next owner of the Ottawa Senators. And uh, we're expecting some sort of announcement to come today. Tomorrow, the day after, a week later, who knows, Ross, the timelines for these always seem like they're getting all over the place. And as you can see on, if you're watching on YouTube, Ross has pulled up the official announcement tweet from Adeline's Martian. Four bookmarks those will not be able to use. I'm sure those are people saying, nah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So we'll we'll leave it at that for today. But that that's a scoop of the weekend is it seems like Michael Anlauer is set to become the next owner of the Ottawa Senators. There's not a whole lot we can break down until we know more. The Anlauer group has been very quiet throughout this entire process. And I saw, I do want to acknowledge one thing. And some people are saying, why is the Nico Sparks group facing such criticism? For example, Donovan Bailey, by the way. So since we were added, remember, we were talking on Friday, who's the next celebrity going to be? There were actually two more that were added on the weekend. Donovan Bailey tweeted out on Friday that he was joining the group. And then Russell Peters, the comedian, on Saturday, he came out. He said he's joining the group as well. Now, Donovan Bailey then did an interview with uh, CBC Radio where he was asked his favorite Sens player. He said Michael Spezza. Uh, He also admitted he's like, yeah, I'm a diehard Leaf fan. Like, okay. So, anyways, that's all fine. That's whatever. Great athlete, Donovan Bailey. Mr. 9.84, 100-meter. You could run the 100-meter. I could run the 100-meter. 
and he could probably run it 15 times in that same length. Hey, I was a 100-meter track star in elementary school, so just let me get my stretches in, and uh, maybe I'd push for uh, the 10-second mark here. And the athletic greens. Yes, it helps, for sure. So that's neither here nor there with the conversation. The point is, people are like, oh, yeah, like you. who cares who an owner's favorite player is? No, for sure. But if he, he's willingly going on the radio to publicize this, homework. But just I, well, and Ross, the the thing that gets me the most is he didn't even get the name right. Like if, like, let's say he said a, a player that didn't play for the Sens or actually only played for the Leafs. Like I, I don't know. It just it just kind of goes to show that this everyone that's being added to the ownership group is. I don't want to say as part of a, a gimmick because that's not fair to them. I'm sure they're genuine in in their intentions, but it just shows that they are not in it for the Ottawa Senators. They're in it to get an NHL team. And again, that is also fine, but I don't think that's what's best serving for the fans of the Ottawa Senators. I mean, I was a Michael Spezza fan too, don't get me wrong, but we can and do It's just better. funny too because he, he prefaced it by saying – the, I'm a Leafs fan. It's like, well, Spets had just played for the Leafs for three years. And was employed by them, yeah. <laughs> like, Anyways, we, we don't need to turn this into uh, chirping Donovan Bailey, obviously uh, one of the great Canadian athletes. But I did find it funny. And, yeah, the answer is, why aren't people picking apart the Ann Lauer bid? Because they haven't said anything. They're not going on, on like, the Sparks group has been on ESPN, Fox Sports 1, The Athletic, uh, CBC radio, like they're do- they're doing a press tour. So obviously, yeah. when you speak to the press, what you say will be judged. The other the other groups just haven't said a damn word. We don't know anything. So hopefully that comes out soon because I would like to know more about the Anlauer bid. Yep. What we do know is that it does feature plenty of local investors, which we saw the Sparks group was trying to round up as well. Uh, we believe. That farm boy is a uh, major player in in this Anlauer bid as well, but again, we'll see. The streets have, have begun speaking, and now it's uh, it's time to see what happens next on the ownership front. But guys, it's 199 days since the Ottawa Senators officially went on sale, November 4th, right when the losing skid started. After yeah. they won those four home games in a row at the start of the year, and it's been a long winding road similar to the send season with a roller coaster of of ups and downs and and craziness along the way but we are that much closer pilsy so as we put that on the back burner and again when news happens we'll be the first to react so make sure you're subscribed on youtube at send central on twitter locked on dot senators on instagram we'll get you the latest as it goes and as you know we don't take days off it's been a long weekend it's all good. The weather's nice. Got out and swung the golf clubs. Pills, he was at a wedding. All good vibes here on a Monday. So what do you say we get some prospect talk? The people loved it on Friday. We did our honorable mentions on Friday. But now it's some heavy hitters here, and we're just working our way up. The old countdown style. So you'll get one through six tomorrow. And we did. I just want to be fully transparent with the people out there. Igor Sokolov is in the top six. So we decided that we're going to add one person to tomorrow's list because we just did a season-ending interview for Igor Sokolov. We don't need to go over it over and over. So we want to give these guys a little extra shine here from 6, 7 through 10. 
Yep, and there's some really good players in uh, among these four guys, and a lot of them are very young, and they have a lot of potential and a high ceiling, so I'm excited to get to it, Ross. Let's do it. You're listening to Locked on Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. They are the title sponsor for this ad, and they are the only place Ross and I go to get tickets because... Ross and I may not be the best planners, but we still like to go out to events. I actually used Game Time app this weekend. My fiance was in Carolina for a conference, and we got her in to Game Two of nice. the Eastern Conference Finals for one fifty U.S. dollars, but one fifty per t- for, per ticket. So all of her friends that she was at the conference, she's like, "How'd you get that good of a deal?" Well, went to Game Time, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL. Got twenty dollars off. Exactly. And no stress, no planning months in advance. And she was able to see what her seat is going to look like before she got there. So you can judge, is this where I want to go? Should I get a different ticket? And you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Just two taps, one, two, boom. And the tickets are directly on your phone. No need to dust off the printer. No need to figure out your email password from years ago. It's all there. So you can get into the door quickly and get to your seat. So Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Again, guys, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Today's episode is also brought to you by Shawarma Palace. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I just booked my flights home for Canada Day, my dad's birthday, and where am I going to stop right away? At one of seven. Shawarma Palaces in Ottawa, the Carlton Food Court. You've got them at Bank and Hunt Club. You've got them at Bank and Gladstone. How were they able to expand so much? Well, it's because they give a delicious product. They do it at an economical price, and it's great service. You can go in there with a smile. I'm still trying to get Abbas to send us. We need the chef jackets with the Shawarma Palace. I need that. Yeah. Abbas, if you're listening to this, we need that. ASAP. But I always know I'm going to get a great meal when I go to Shawarma Palace. I always know that it's going to be served with a smile and an extra scoop of garlic sauce there as well. I love Shawarma Palace. I know you will too. You can always have a chance to run into us at Shawarma Palace. I still won't forget Jack City. Just turn his face when he's like, obviously I'll run into you guys there. Of course you will because we love Shawarma Palace. We don't just say it, we live it and breathe shawarma palace just don't breathe too close to your friend after a spoonful of garlic sauce but we absolutely love our friends at shawarma palace so make sure you let them know that you appreciate their support of us as well let them know that locked on senators sent you it's shawarma palace rito street chapel always a good vibe at shawarma palace make sure you check them out it's shawarma palace it's ottawa's best tasting shawarma since 1997 All right, Bilzy. Just had a delicious slurp of athletic greens. I'm actually a huge fan of this stuff. I'm, I can't believe it took me so long to get my yep. first order. I, fin- I finished mine off this morning as well, and it's just an easy routine to, to try to get healthy, which is uh, what we're trying to do here. These prospects are about to talk about a lot of them are, are beasts, and we've heard their off-ice work ethic, and that's what's put them in the conversation for being a top 10 Sends prospect. Now, I want to pull up this list because we already did our honorable mention. So that part is already covered. 
I just want to pull up for, for completeness sake, as we start our May 2023 list, the last time we did one was mid-season. We always do a preseason, a mid-season, and a postseason one. So this was the top 10 list. But, or sorry, this was before last season. This was before last season, Pilsy, because we still had Jake Sanderson in the mix. True. Pilsy, a few of the guys we're going to talk about here today have dropped down the rankings. Yep, that's for sure. And um, it's it's very tough to judge the prospects because you have to decide, are we judging them on where they are now, where we think they're going to go, how old they are, when they were drafted, how much we believe in them, and all these kinds of things. So it's a sliding scale as we move on. And it's always interesting as we've done a couple of years now of this podcast and we have recurring segments to see, to look back and be like, wow, that's what we thought of this guy or we had this guy there. So get ready to get mad at our list guys, because we've got another uh, top 10 prospects for you. Well, if you're just listening last prospect rankings, we did Jake Sanderson was number one. Duh. That's the big gap in between me not talking there. Shane Pinto, <laughs> yeah. number two. Ridley Gregg, number three. Lassie Thompson at four. Tyler Boucher at five. Philip Gustafson at six. Jacob Bernard Docker at seven. Igor Sokolov at eight. Roby Yarventi at nine. And Tyler Clevin at ten. So with that as a little background information, let's get in to today's top ten Ottawa Senators prospects starting with number ten. Coming in at number 10 on our updated Sens prospect list, it's Lassie Thompson. Pilsy, a disappointing season overall for Lassie Thompson, but you look at it at the end of the day, the offensive numbers were still there, but it seems like he's kind of swung the pendulum too much the other way now because there was a time when he got drafted, he was an offensive defenseman. Then he went over to Finland and he became kind of a, a known as a shutdown defenseman. Now he's come back over. It's like whatever side of the sea he's on, that's the type of defenseman he is. And that's the thing. He needs to find a way to kind of bridge that gap, right? And I think with Lassie Thompson, what we heard from uh, all reports in Belleville is he is a guy that can be in your top pair in Belleville, but he struggles with his consistency. You'll see stretches where he's lighting it up. He's playing great. He's able to defend. He's able to add offensively, but then he gets a little, a little dry spell offensively. And then maybe he loses confidence defensively and he's not able to put it together. But if you look now, if you're watching on YouTube, we've got his card pulled up here and 56 games, seven goals, 26 assists, good for 33 points. And we got to see the Tom bomb a little bit more this year, Ross, than in years past. And that was one thing when he was drafted, that was kind of his top attribute is, man, look at the way this guy is able to get those clappers off from the point in the finish league. And then he wasn't able to do that as much as he was focusing more on defense, like you mentioned. And now he's come back around to being able to use that on the power play. And it's a big tool, especially down in the AHL. He's able to command a lot of respect on the power play with the power he has in that slap shot. So we're going to hope that Lassie Thompson can keep doing that. But we always had Lassie and JBD kind of tied at the hip. But it seems like of those two guys... If you're judging it by NHL games played, Lassie has kind of fallen out of favor here. Tied at the hip, but Lassie a step ahead as he's kind of, or sorry, a JBD a step ahead because Lassie, it seems like 
there's just parts of his game that need to be rounded out more. And it's really interesting time right now if you're Lassie Thompson, because unlike JBD, Lassie still has one year left on his entry-level contract. So there's no need per se for them to do anything, but he also will require waivers next year. So from that standpoint, maybe there is a little bit of pressure where they, they have to make some sort of decision on the back end. Right shot defenseman, always so valuable. Could he be a trade candidate this summer? I wouldn't be surprised if the answer is yes to that because you look at the numbers, 33 points in 56 games. You're like, okay, that's pretty good. You look at the fact that he has 72 points. Pilsy, this guy is 10th all-time in Belleville Sens history in points. Not by a defenseman, all-time period. And yes, early days of a franchise, I understand that. Only Jordan Murray has more points by a defenseman with the franchise, but it's still pretty solid that he's clicking at over a half a point per game. He's played 135 games down there. So you almost wonder, like, at what point, and Troy Mann was was the one who really put this into our brain, where it's like, if you're in the same organization in the minors for four, five years, at some point, doesn't it kind of break your back thinking that I'm I'm working, I'm working, but it doesn't feel like there's there's an end game. Like he got a taste of the NHL, not this past season, but the year before a little bit more. This year, he only got two games, right? That's a lot of riding buses and and feeling like the dream is so far away. So I almost think it could be that an organizational change is best for both parties. I don't think it's going to be a Philip Gustafson situation where we see uh, Lassie Thompson in the Norris conversation next year. But I do think he can be an NHL defenseman. I just wonder if the way the Sens decor is built right now, if it's not best suited for somewhere else. I, I totally agree. And that's not kind of uh, an indictment on Lassie Thompson. It's just, hey, I feel like last year was his year to make that jump. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to do it. He did get a taste, like you mentioned. But now with Jacob Chikrin added to this mix, Artem Zub being extended, uh, Jake Sanderson emerging as, as a top pair, if not a number one guy on this team, there's less spots and less space here. And the telling sign, Ross, is he got two games in the NHL, but look at the minutes played in his two games. The first game, he had 12 minutes and 30 seconds, and the second game, nine minutes and 18 seconds. Like, DJ Smith made it very clear when Pierre Dorian brought him up to help out this decor, I'm not using this guy. I, I don't have faith that he's ready for the NHL. And then when you have a defenseman play nine minutes in a game, I think that's a pretty clear sign that the coach isn't going to use him. Amazing shot. Good skater. Good stick position. Decent passer as well, and he can carry the puck through his own zone. I'd say it's the in-zone defending that you want to see more from. Defending off the rush, I noticed like when he played in the NHL, that that longer sample size is uh, during the, the last season where he had 16 games. The gap control needed improvement. He was getting beat uh, off the rush quite a bit. So let's see with Lassie Thompson. There's still plenty of time. I mean, this is a 2019 draft pick. He's only going to, he's only born in 2000. So he'll be 23 next season uh, in September, right when the season starts. It's kind of starting to be make or break time. I think, I think it is already Ross with Ottawa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With another organization, but it is very interesting to look at the fact that, yeah, Going in the right direction in terms of production in Belleville, but at the same time, the coaches want to see more. And if he is back in Belleville, I hope David Bell gives him an opportunity to be like the number one A all the time. I feel like 
at times, like it was JBD that that was this year. First guy over the boards on the PK. I want that to be Lassie's job if he is back next year. But like we mentioned in the last show, Max Gannett is right there. It's not like that's a cushy, easy spot for him for a right-hand shot defenseman that can put up points. Gannett is breathing down his neck for sure. So Lassie's got some competition. Coming in at number nine on our top 10 Sens prospects. We're going with another Finn. This one had also two NHL games played yep. this year, but his two games came at the end of the year. It's the second goalie because we had Kevin Mandelazy as an honorable mention. Number nine is Levy Marilainen. My goodness, what a way to introduce himself to North American ice. Gets a shutout in his first game in Belleville. 41 save shutout, Ross. Then comes to the NHL and plays lights out in his first game. Yeah, and uh, that ended up being an overtime loss, unfortunately, to the Carolina Hurricanes. But he stopped 34 out of 37 shots. And the Carolina Hurricanes, that was a team that this year and the last couple of years have had the Ottawa Senators number. Like the Senators just had no luck up against Carolina. So that was a tall task for him to come in for his NHL debut. And he did great, unfortunately, up against the Panthers. Next game, things didn't go his way. But Levy Marilainen, like this guy has been an absolute stud last season, playing over in Liga as a young goalie and in a prestigious program in Carpat. I was looking through, um, I did a Twitter search at Sens Prospects, Levy Marilainen, just to kind of go through where he was at all year. And Sense Prospect tweeted at the start of the season, so in like October uh, area, that Levy Marilainen looks to be the backup in Carpat. Well, that changed pretty quickly, and uh, Marilainen made sure to force the team's hand and being like, no, I'm taking this starting job, and I'm running away with it, as he set a Liga record, not a team record, a Liga league record for most shutouts by a rookie goaltender with eight shutouts you know who he passed ross uc soros had seven so that's pretty damn good company to be able to do that and this kid is a shutout machine we heard all about it and then as you mentioned he comes over to north america right away 41 safe shutout incredible like it was it was he'd been doing it forever and you look at the the numbers that he puts up in Carpat, 42 games, 18 wins, 13 losses, seven overtime losses, a 918 save percentage, and a 202 goals against average. Super impressive. He comes over here and just looks the part right away. He looks big. He looks calm. There's not a whole lot of movement with him. Everything is just compact. It's the classic Finnish Scandinavian type goalie. Like everything is so well coached over there. And Carpat is a bit of a. Uh, a goalie factory itself, Pilsy, because it's not just uh, it's not just UC Saros, it's not just Pecorine as well. I believe that's the organization that brought us Mika Kippersoff, if I'm not mistaken. Nicholas Baxter, remember the old yeah. goalie from the Minnesota Wild as well. So you're looking at kind of just an organization that just pumps out goalie after goalie, and I'm super excited that he's overseas now and able to be a part of the direct organization for Ottawa. Because you look at the work he did, yeah, obviously we're going to focus on the initial shutout that uh, that he was able to put up with Belleville. But it goes beyond that. You look at what he's been able to do, and um, he's funny enough, and 
obviously this is just kind of a bit of tongue in cheek, but out of goalies that have played more than one game in Belleville, he's got the best save percentage in franchise history. So <laughs> of course we can have fun with numbers a little bit uh, here, but a 933 save percentage, uh, a three Oh and one record just lost in, in a shootout. Um, still hilarious, by the way, Mark Sinclair got a shutout in his only AHL game and lost because they lost in a shootout. <laughs> nice. Yeah. There's some wild names on there. Matt Murray making that list. Uh, my guy, Danny Taylor, classic. Um, but yeah, uh, Levy Marilinen, just what he does is he's able to shut the door on teams and where I think he's going to really make a name for himself and, and become a coach's favorite is his ability to shut down guys one-on-one. Like I, I can't, um, I couldn't find his shootout record or, um, or oh, penalty well, shot record? Sens prospects got me the stat. Because okay, if remember, you have that, let's hear it. Well, remember in Carolina, they were like, they got scored on with less than a minute left. Yeah. In overtime. We want, that's one time, Ross, I think you were hoping for the shootout. <laughs> Very rarely that happens. I said to Sens prospects, the guy must follow. You got Marylinen's OHL shootout numbers. Weren't they ridiculous? One minute later, I said, and never mind. Whoops. He said uh, in the OHL, he stopped 14 out of 16 attempts yeah. and two penalty shots as well. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, And then obviously it's harder to find breakaway uh, statistics, but on breakaways, he was lights out too. So this is a guy that I think coaches are going to feel very comfortable with if you're – and team defenses are going to play a little – a little more offensively being like, we can cheat a little bit because we know that if there's a one-on-one chance, the odds are in Levy's favor that he's going to get a stop for us. So that's huge for confidence building for coaches and defenses. And I'm excited to see what Levy Marilyn is going to do, Ross, because now this goaltending in Belleville next year, we assume the Sens are going to bring in another guy to play in the NHL. So you've got a trio of, or maybe even four, if Dylan Ferguson gets into the mix here too. Mads, Levy, Mando, and possibly Dylan Ferguson. Like, there's going to be some good competition to get starts. There's only one crease, so that'll be interesting. And there's also another goalie coming up on our list in tomorrow's episode. But we've got two more guys to get to today, so let's do it. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Pilsy, appreciate ever making Locked On Senators their first listen. Our everydayers, whether you just stopped by, whether you just found the show, we appreciate you all very much. And we got a couple snipers coming up here in spots seven and eight on our top 10 Sens prospect list. You know, number 10 is Lassie Thompson, and number nine is Levy Marilyn. And a reminder, that you can have your say in the comments on YouTube. Let us know who your top 10 prospects are for the Ottawa Senators. Pilsy, should we get right back to the list or what? Let's get to the list because this next guy, we heard David Bell speak very highly of. Coming in at number eight is Roby Yarventi. People forget he's only 20 years old. 
<laughs> yeah, that's something that uh, we we always say people forget, and then we always remind people uh, of that as well as David Bell did in our interview. Again, if you haven't checked that out, that's one of those where even maybe it's uh, a couple days have gone by, but it's worth listening to because it was so interesting to hear more about David Bell and his story, how he became, uh, how he got to this point of being Belleville's head coach. Um, but Roby Arventi, as far as we knew, Ross, he had always been a winger, big winger, six foot four. He's got good size, good release on that shot. And then uh, he mentioned it out almost out of necessity more than anything. They moved him to the center of the ice because there was just no centerman available in Belleville. Guys getting called up to Ottawa and Yarventi had a lot of success. And I really liked what uh, Coach Bell mentioned about it is they found that Yarventi could be a little inconsistent in times. And when he wasn't feeling the puck, it was hard for him to get in the game. And when you have guys that have great shots and are offensive minded, that can be the case. If they're not touching the puck, it's hard for them to get find ways to stay engaged. So they said, hey, what's one way we can get him having the puck a lot more often? Put him in center ice. Whether it's going to be in the defensive zone, in the neutral zone, or in the off- offensive zone, he's going to have to touch the puck more, and he's going to have to get plays started and finish plays more often. And they ended up having a lot of success with Yarventi as a centerman. So I'm going to be very interested to see if they continue that next season if necessity isn't as high. But I think they will because he had a great finish to the last uh, part of the season in Belleville. And with Belleville, he played 40 games this season, had 16 goals, 14 assists for 30 points, 92 shots in 40 games, 38 penalty minutes, and was minus 11. Because he came over at 18 that year, nor the last year, were counted against his entry-level contract. So he still has two years left on his entry-level contract, still has yet to play his first NHL game. Pilsy, he is one of only... Three members of the 2020 NHL draft class for the Sens who haven't played an NHL game. Eric Engstrand, who we know was not signed. Philip Daou and him. You look at Stutzla, Sanderson, Greg, Clevin, uh, Marilinen, and Reinhardt have all played NHL games. And Igor, of course, Igor has played NHL games as well. So you look at all those guys and you're like, wow, what does Roby Yarventi need to do to play NHL games? What would be your answer? Well, I don't think it's it's as much of a, a case as the Sens being like, he's not coming up, he's not ready, or anything like that. He's had a little bit of injury, uh, bad luck, kind of uh, a couple injuries kept him out of games last season. And the fact that, I don't know if we've told you, but this is a very young player. So I think they're just biding their time and saying, hey, keep working on things down in the minors, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Because, Ross, he's got the size that he should be able to come up and play in the NHL without getting bullied too much. And it's not like he's a physical player per se, but he's able to use that size to his advantage when he's working to get that real estate in the slot. So he can battle defensemen, try to box him out. And then when he does that, go and watch a highlight clip of Roby Arventi's goals last season. The puck is on his stick barely at all. This guy's release is absolutely insane. And we mentioned it. He looked like Josh Norris back in Belleville from that office spot in the power play. Bang! The one-timers are lethal. His release is what helps him have success. Goalies don't have time to get set up to stop that shot. And 12 of his 16 goals last season were scored on the power play. Now, is that good, though? It is good because... 
you want guys scoring on the power play. I'm not going to, I don't think Roby's going to apologize for getting uh one timer goals on the power play, but four even strength goals may be a little concerning. What I will say though, Ross is four goals in 40 games, but I'm going to cut Roby a little slack there because he's starting a new position in center. So yes, he's touching the puck more. Yes. He was able to have success uh, on the power play. I'm not sure if he played center on the power play as well. I'd have to go back and check that probably though. Well, he's in, he, well, he's in the Norris position. So I don't know if he was taking faceoffs, but he's up on, on the flank. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I wonder, I wonder about that, but I think just maybe a new position, even strength, it, it's harder to kind of know where, where you need to be at certain times. Cause as a winger, he knows I- I'm finishing this playoff. I'm waiting for that shot and I'm going to one time it. But as a centerman, maybe there's an adjustment period there. I liked how he was a bit more consistent this year. Uh, I mean, a couple times he went three straight games without a point, but never longer than that. And in years past, there were extended droughts. He finished off the year well, so he's going in a little bit with a bit of confidence. Six points in his last three games in that three and three they closed the year out with. I just want to see my, more production at uh, at even strength at five on five. I want to see him healthy. And this is not a guy with injury concerns. He played 70 games last season, but just 40 this year. Tough to get into a rhythm. He only had three less points this year, though. Than he had in 70 games last year, and he did that just in 40. So yep. yeah, if if the if the even strength scoring could come up a little bit, I'll be happy. He's still shooting at a at an incredible rate. He shot 17.4 percent this year. Nice. He's got an elite shot. Like I know he's bigger, but he does have a bit of Mike Hoffman syndrome, where it's like defensively, is he always interested? But man, that shot, like it, it's an A plus. It's like we talk about with Igor. It's an A plus attribute that he has. And that separates him from other guys. Yeah, and, and that's the thing too, Ross, is I don't like it when guys that have a lethal shot and are offensive-minded constantly get dogged for playing defense because let like let him loose. Like let him be an offensive guy. And sure, you're gonna you gotta take the good with the bad, right? You're gonna have times where it's like, ah, Yarventi in the defensive zone there, that wasn't a great play or something like that. But then you're gonna have times in the offensive zone where you're saying, wow. This guy is an absolute stud. So I, I I would like to keep him offensive minded and take the bad defensively when it happens because I really think this kid can be something something special. Uh, you know, as a third line winger or, or maybe even center and a second power play unit guy in the NHL someday because he has a lot of time to grow. He already has 114 games of AHL experience. Plus, you look at the experience that he had overseas before coming to North America where he was playing um, with Eels, which is one of the cooler teams in uh, Finland. They got like Lenny the Lynx, nice little Ottawa Lynx throwback there as their logo. But uh, ever since coming over, it's been kind of a slow and steady process, but he he would be a potential, and we'll, we'll get to it around rookie camp, I would imagine, but a potential breakout candidate this year, if not for Belleville, where he's hopefully going to be a point per game. Then you're looking at a guy who should be playing his first NHL game. Another guy where, when I was in the tunnel uh, for the Belleville Sens game, like when they're coming out, this he's an enormous human being, and he's got a bit of a baby face, so you, you don't always like expect him. He, he's he's shocked. He's enormous. Like, he's a, a big body, and I think that he if he can put on a few pounds and be able to be that strong inside lane driver offensively, then he's gonna he's gonna be a stud. And still, there's a reason why he went 33rd overall in the draft and. Uh, I still have high hopes for Roby Arventi, and we're starting like 
eight, nine and ten as well. Like I think that those two guys, Lassie and Levy, can still be like good, good NHLers. But man, now now we're getting into a category where I think there's some upside where they can be a top nine, top four defenseman or top nine forward uh, in in the NHL, and and that's kind of where I project Roby. And he's a guy I expect him to play his first NHL game next season. Yeah, I, I hope so. But as uh, Meth made a good point when we talked to him last. The Ottawa Senators are in a position where they're pushing for playoffs. They're not going to be handing out free NHL games to guys to get a look at them. Like, you're only playing in the NHL if you're considered you're going to help this team win every single night you're in there. So he's got to prove to the the Senators, the Ottawa Senators, that he can do that. And just on his size quickly, I always thought he was listed at 6'4". Elite Prospects has him at 6'2". I thought that was a little shorter. And you mentioned you think he's got to put on a couple pounds. Well, AHL has him at 6'3", so nobody can decide. (laughs) All right, weird. But EP has him at 214 pounds. So if that's... If that's true, I don't think he needs to put on much weight there because that's pretty good size. Yeah, AHL has been two thirteen actually. So there you go. Yeah, so that's interesting. Face. It, it tricks- yeah, it fools you. Yeah, definitely. Now let's get to the next member of this list. We're coming in at number seven with a friend of the show. We are not giving up on Tyler Boucher. Tyler Boucher. Yes, Pillsy, get that 67s lid going. Although, I don't think we're ever going to see him play for the 67s as well. He's not going back for an overage year. He's going to the Belleville Sens, and the pro game, as long as he can stay healthy, is going to suit him just fine. I'm very excited. This is a guy who circled a training camp. Is a guy who, is he going to stay healthy? Yep. Is he going to play on the line but not over the line? And is he going to show the touch around the net that he did at the World Juniors that made him the top scorer, at least until he got hurt, on Team USA? Yeah, there's so much potential for Tyler Boucher. And I think it's it's tough because you don't want to dog a guy for injuries. But, man, if he could have been a part of that 67's playoff run, that would have added so much to his development, in my opinion, especially because the year before we got to see him in uh, one game at the Civic Center, uh, but the 67s got bounced in four games by the North Bay Battalion, so he didn't get a whole lot of experience there. They lost twice in the game that we went to. I mean, I, I'm still uh, my yells of offside uh, after the first overtime goal was scored. I believe that was game three. Uh, can probably still be heard echoing throughout the rafters there. But um, I, I think what Tyler Boucher can do is he's going to be one of those guys that when the Ottawa Senators are in the playoffs, he's going to be an absolute menace for other teams to play in four to seven games straight in a playoff series because he's going to get under team skin. We, we've seen him get under guys' skin in the World Juniors and playing for the 67s, um, and he just frustrates the hell out of guys. You know every shift he's going out there, you're going to see a hit from Tyler Boucher. He'll hit the first guy he sees, and... He's going to throw everything he's got on net. Like, I know some people are saying, well, oh, he takes a lot of low-quality shots, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's fine. Like, you, you can knock a guy for that. But I'm not going to – I would rather a guy throw everything on net rather than be too patient and not generate any offense. Because get it on net, you never know what happens. Tips, deflections, rebounds, you create chaos. I, I don't mind that strategy for some players. And the thing is, Ross – 
I find it's kind of like uh, like a point guard in basketball. Like he takes the shot and he doesn't just admire it and sit there. He's taking the shot and he's driving to the net. He's hungry for that rebound or to bang bodies in front to create op- offensive chances for his teammates. So I really think that uh, Tyler Boucher, again, he's young. It's going to take time, but I think he can create a difference uh, and be an impactful player once he's able to get to the pros, which we anticipate he's going to be a part of Belleville next season. Yeah, and it's another unfortunate shoulder injury for a Sens prospect. He tried coming back. He played four games, had a goal and an assist in those four games, had uh, 20 shots on goal, but he just he couldn't do it after that. He re-injured his shoulder. They had shut it down, and uh, hopefully he's 100% ready for his off-season training because that's so important. And Injuries have started to kind of mount up now. It's been a couple that, that have happened over the last number of years. He only played 24 games with the 67s last year after playing 17 at university. And you thought this was going to be just a kind of a clean slate, wipe it wipe it down and, and start from scratch. 10 goals in 21 games is nice that he hit double digits and, and he had, had more points in the last games in the OHL than he did last year. You expected big things as a 19-year-old in the OHL. Unfortunately, there was a suspension that we didn't believe should have been one where it was a clean hit, but the result was unfortunately tough where the guy had a stroke or a seizure, not a stroke, sorry, a seizure on the ice yeah. and um, and it looked bad. So we got a big suspension for it. And obviously they're trying to get any sort of that thing out of junior hockey right now. But Tyler Boucher was unfortunately kind of the, the not, I don't want to call him the victim for throwing the hit, but unfortunately he was victimized in terms of, I think it was like an eight game. Wasn't it like a, it was at least five, but that's the OHL. These are kids playing. When an injury like that happens, they they have to like there has to be some sort of punishment thrown down. Yeah, and but that's the thing. It's similar to our conversation about Tyler Clevin, right? Like he had to learn where the line is in the league he's playing in, and that's something Tyler Boucher ha- had to figure out. And uh, I'm sure he, he got a hang of it. But now he's not going. He, there's no way he's going back to the OHL. In the AHL, he's going to be able to impose his will like that. And uh, I hope he keeps that physical part of his game because when you've had multiple shoulder injuries, there's probably a little hesitation in your mind when you're going in for that check being like, oh, I could lay a clean hit out, but that could that could knock my shoulder off in the wrong way. And there's, there could be a little hesitation there. So I'm interested to see if um, kind of that aggressive mindset will be changed a little bit. I would be very surprised if that's the case because I think he just knows one way to play and that's 100 miles yeah. an hour right down your throat making sure that you know every time he's on the ice. Now, uh, head coach Dave Cameron, former Sens head coach, now with the 67s, uh, after finding out that Boucher's season was done, he says he feels terrible for him and this is kind of how he describes him. The quote is, he's a heavy power forward with an NHL shot who brings a lot of energy. And that's just an apt description right there, if you ask me. like His shot, I think, is is something that gets overlooked because everyone just wants to talk about the physical tools and, and kind of the mean streak that he plays with on the ice. By the way, one of the nicest kids. And if you haven't checked it out, he's a three-time guest on Locked On Senators and such a beauty. And uh, he offered to come on right after he got hurt. I was like, we don't want to just talk about your injury. Like, like I'm sure you've had enough of that, but so nice, always willing to give his time. And uh, we're cheering for him to be a top, top dog in the NHL. But, um, but yeah, I think with the physicality, what gets overlooked is this guy's shot is elite. Like it's on a stick, off his stick. And I think he's like, you look at what, role Brady Kachuk plays on the power play 
I just would love the idea of having a Tyler Boucher on the second unit and then moving Pinto from net front to just a little bit higher to that Batherson spot on the first unit where he's kind of in the mid slot, just, just hunting tips and looking for rebounds. Whereas Boucher is the guy taking away the goalie's eyes and battling with that, that defenseman taking him away out of the play and giving your other four guys a lot of room to operate. That's what I see Boucher at as like a 15, 20 goal guy in the NHL, just with a lot of them coming on the power play, just at that net front. And man, it just, I can't express enough how much it sucks that this season was cut short the way it was with yeah. the shoulder injuries. But man, I still have high hopes for him. I, he's going to play NHL games. It's can he stay healthy enough to be an impactful guy year after year. And this is another guy on the Ottawa Senators, Ross, that's a second-generation hockey player. And I just think there's a lot of value to that. Now, uh, Brian Boucher, obviously, uh, he's been on the show a couple times, absolute beauty as well, now a broadcaster. He was a goalie, so that's a little different. But he still is able to pass down those, you know, that work ethic. Like, Tyler Boucher is that guy's putting in work in the gym and you can see he's getting stronger and bigger uh, every season, it seems like. And he's, he just has that mentorship from his dad to be able to, you know, don't get too high, don't get too low. um, And what it means to be a good teammate and all those kinds of things that you can only really understand and learn from guys that have gone through and played uh, professional hockey. So I really think the future is very bright for Tyler Boucher and we're rooting for him on this show. Yes, we absolutely are. So with that, we will let everyone know that tomorrow's episode will include the top six prospects in the Senators organization. The top six, because we mentioned we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about Igor. We will let you know where Igor is on the list, but we're not going to spend too much time on him. But for today, we have Lassie Thompson at 10, Levy Marilinen at 9, Roby Arventi at 8, Tyler Boucher at 7, and there is some intrigue as to the top six overall for Sens prospects. I think it's it's an interesting list because they don't have a clear-cut kind of one or two. It's, yeah. it's very much what style of player you like. So very curious to see how this all shakes out. All right, Pilsy, any final thoughts on today's show? Final thoughts are, if you guys are watching the Florida Panthers-Carolina Hurricanes uh, game tonight, get the coffee brewing because it's probably going to go to overtime again. So that's been an exciting series, and um, the Vegas-Dallas game went to overtime as well. So if you like playoff hockey, you're getting bonus periods here, so nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. Matthew Kachuk finally able to uh, execute his walk-off after a botched one in game one. And what, what a legendary move, just right off. We're going home. Let's go home, boys. Come on, get on the plane. Let's go. We're leaving. We're not letting them review this goal. We're not going to uh, third, fourth, fifth overtime. Let's get out of here. So that that was awesome to see. And it was cool that you got to see the cameras in the tunnel after. He's like, okay, maybe that was a little a little quick. Let's have a little selly in the tunnel here. But uh, as Kachuk fans, that's something I love to see. Only the 12th player in NHL history to score back-to-back overtime goals in the playoffs. What a legend. And also, uh, speaking of Kachuk, Barkov pulled off his move, the the between-the-legs goal. Yeah, but he sonked it a bit too. He went for the the between-the-legs and then said, no, I'm actually going to go backhand and roof it. (laughs) Yeah. That was insane. That was that was the goal of the playoffs. Even uh, I like how the Panthers, uh, the Panthers Twitter account, or sorry, not Panthers, sorry, the Hurricanes Twitter account, commented. They're like, "Hey, 
got to recognize a great play. So they post the highlight of it. You don't often see that. No, um, definitely not. All right. So again, we are awaiting the official announcement. Excuse me. We believe that Michael Anlauer will be the next owner of the Ottawa Senators. Whew. My goodness. Sorry. I, I, I think that athletic, the last sip that you get the little bit of sediment just went down the wrong way. So I'm, I'm making all sorts of noises over here. <laughs> For today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team every day. <laughs>